and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum. Let's go. And welcome again. And remember, if you haven't already done your quiz, the business growth quiz, go ahead and do that. It's for free. Remember, you get a free report on which area of your business you should be focusing on so that you can continue to grow. And today I have the absolute pleasure to introduce onto the Business and Wealth Show, Jonathan Green. And Jonathan has an amazing story. We are going to be talking about all things AI, artificial intelligence, chat GPT. How can you utilize these technology to grow your business, make more money, get things done faster, quicker, more efficiently, and be more productive? So stay tuned. Jonathan, welcome to the Business and Wealth Show. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be here. You're most welcome. I think let's get straight into this right now. And you have a very interesting story. Tell us about tell us about your entrepreneurial background. What got you started on the on your entrepreneur's journey? I've always dabbled as an entrepreneur, even though I never thought of myself that way. I never thought I could run my own business, but I'd always started side businesses, whether it's a tutoring agency or buying a whole pizza and selling slices off in the dorms in college, anything like this. But I never thought I'm an entrepreneur because we never hear that. So it was only when I was like dabbling in different things and launching a blog and playing around online. And then I lost my job that I started to say, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I don't like this feeling where someone else can decide if I'm allowed to work or not tomorrow, if I'm going to get paid or not this month. I want to take back that level of control. And that really began my journey, just that desire to never have someone in the position where they could fire me or yell at me ever again. I get it. And uh, I know exactly what you mean. I remember uh, quitting my job more than two decades ago. And I remember I quit the job because of, you know, I did a disagreement with the regional manager uh, and I decided that I'm going to go out on my own. So I know exactly And what are those few weeks, few months like on your own where you're not answering to anybody, but you are suddenly having to wear all the hats in terms of sales, marketing, getting all these things done? It's hard. Like, I would love to tell you that the first day of starting your business is like a dream come true, but it's not. It's really, really hard. It's really scary. You put in crazy hours. Like we complain about, and it's that old saying of like, you give up a 40 hour a week job to start your own hundred hour a week job working for yourself. So you end up working 14, 18 hour days, working all night doing what, but the thing is at least you're in control. Like it's your decision that affects everything. So there's a big trade-off, right? You have total control. You get to decide, do I work today or not? There's no one who's going to tell you what time to get up. There's no one tells you what time to go to bed. There's no one who complains if you are late, you have total control, which also means all the risk and the reward is all of yours. So it took me a while to get things really successful, but I started making money within a couple of weeks, just got really a lucky element. Wasn't making a lot of money, but just that first taste of success. So it was just a lot of hours and just that commitment. I think because I was like, I never, I had such a strong motivator. I never wanted to feel that way again. So that Mm. pushed me through those tough times that some people just don't make it through. Some people just go back to work because they, don't have enough motivation to keep them out of that cycle and they give up too soon. Absolutely. And, and, and making that decision has allowed you to live a certain lifestyle now. Tell the, tell our listeners, uh, watchers, the lifestyle you live now and that you are clearly uh, happy with. 
Yeah, I live on a tropical island in the South Pacific. I live, I mean, it's an island, so there's a beach in every direction. It's where most people come here for two or three day holidays, but we live on vacation. I'm like, when my wife is like, we should go on vacation. I'm always like, we already live at vacation. <laughs> we, we live have, at vacation. I love that. Yeah. Like, I never thought I would have a house this nice. My house is unbelievable. I, ne- I never get up and think, wow, this is what I deserve. I'm, every day in the house, I'm amazed. We have so much space. We have a pool. I have a gym so I can exercise in the house. We have a little basketball court. It's smaller than a half basketball court, but that's like, to me, that's crazy. The fact that we right, have that right. um, is so unbelievable. The, there's so much room, so much space. The kids are in an amazing school and I'm able to work from home. So I'm around them all the time. That's why I mostly do interviews at night. So they're asleep, but they come in the room all the time during the day. And all of that is just possible because of that one moment. And right. it just started from there. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're, you're absolutely, you, you've done something where a lot of people would just dream of, think of, you know, in my book, The Millionaire Moment, I talk about the moment that you make a key decision for your life. And when you make that decision, you're committed to it. Sure enough, in a few years time, if you stick to it and overcome all these obstacles, you will be there. And you've made that decision for you and your family, four children. Is it four children you have? So far. Oh, so far. And, and living in paradise. Fantastic. In the Philippines. Fantastic. Listen, let's get into the your expertise. Uh, you've been teaching and showing people how to use AI technology, chat GPT. Why, is, why are those tools so, so important for business owners, and entrepreneurs at this uh, age we're living in now? We're going through a real tech revolution, very similar to the 1990s when the internet started becoming available to everyone. And there was a huge change in the way businesses operated. Before that, businesses didn't even use email. Now, there's no business that could even imagine not using email or not using a cell phone, right? And these are technologies that are 15 years old or 30 years old. They're not that old. So right now, the way my entire tech stack has changed from last year, Mm. because these new technologies are faster, easier, and more affordable. So it makes a real difference. So companies that, or individuals, even if you're an employee, where it's still working for a company. If you get left behind, you're going to get pushed out of the market because there's these phases that a new technology goes through. And we can look at it in schools. With schools, when they released graphing calculators, when those became affordable in the 70s, they were considered cheating. If you used a calculator to do your math exam, it was cheating. But when I went to high school, it was mandatory. They expected you to use a graphing calculator and show your work on the calculator. Yeah. So it goes from cheating through phases where it gets integrated. Eventually, it's mandatory. That's such a change. And in the same way, that's how email is. You remember in the 1990s when you'd see a job listing, it would say like Outlook skills, a plus, or like great if you know how to use Outlook. Whereas now, you don't see that on job listings, not because they don't want it, because it's an assumption. If you go in and say, yeah, but how do I do email? They'll be like, what? <laughs> Which planet are you living in? Yeah. That, and that is how people are going to look at AI, whether it's ChatGPT or a different tool. The AI stuff is, is here to stay. And it's going to be the same question in five or six years where they go three to five years of experience with AI is mandatory to even apply for a job. So we have that period now where it's kind of optional, but it's not going to stay. It's not really optional. Is all the time. I remember when I got out of college, every job was entry level, minimum wage, three to five years experience required. It's like, that's not what entry means, right? It was, it's so hard right. to get that first job. 
because they all want you to have experience, but how can I get experience if I can't get any job? So it was really hard for me to enter the workforce. And that was 20 years ago. So mm. if you wait and in three years, someone applies for a company and wants your job and they'll take less money and they can do twice as much work because they use AI, you'll get pushed out and you can't get back into the workforce because you have to wait three years to get that experience. And then it's too late. So it seems optional, but it's kind of not. Right, right. Thanks for that. Listen, the um, apart from ChatGPT, which is an AI tool, are there other such, because a lot of people would have heard of ChatGPT, they would have dabbled in it, whether they're using it fully or not, we'll come to that in a moment. Whether they're using it correctly and making mistakes or not, we'll come to that in a moment. But what other types of tools similar to that are there that would make productivity what that why that will increase productivity, increase efficiency for you know the business owner or their team members. Sure. With the advent of AI image generators, you no longer have to like sift through a stock photo website and hope you get a photograph that kind of looks like what you're looking for. All of the actors in stock photos are from Eastern Europe. So you always have that Eastern European look because that's where all the pictures are taken. So it never looks quite right. It's always like, well, it's clearly not a street in America. It's clearly not a street in England. It's obviously a street in Bulgaria that they've kind of buzzed out the signs, but it's, there's always a little something, right? And you're going through that. It takes, it's a huge time suck and it's not a unique picture, which means other people can use it. I've seen multiple books have the same image on their cover. And I'm like, oh, that's a bad feeling, right? Like, Never want, like if you've ever, if I remember with my wife and another woman's wearing the same dress, she's not, she doesn't run up and go same Z's. She goes, we got to go home and change. Uh, yeah. you know? And that's the same thing. So now I can create custom images that have a unique color or style very quickly that mm-hmm. much faster than searching and it's unique. So it's this great for creation. Everything as far as photo editing, image generation, video editing is so much faster. When I edit my podcast, I click one button and a piece of software just shows whichever person is talking. I used to have to pay someone to manually do that. Right. Right. Now creating a transcript. My computer has so many tools that are automatically creating transcripts all the time. It's too many of them to do it. I just realized another tool on my computer is like, oh, we've been creating auto transcripts of all of your meetings for the last year. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing that. So tools that were hard and expensive a year ago, now they've become really common. Social media clip makers. There's so many tools that will take a long video or YouTube video or social clip and, and turn into short social clips in the different shapes. You got to do vertical for TikTok and you got to do wide for YouTube and you got to do square for Instagram or square for LinkedIn for these different so networks. And they'll do all of that for you. So making the social clips used to be a big hassle. There's a really cool, cool tool called Gling, which will you can upload a video and a script where you've done multiple takes and it will choose the best sentence from each take and create that final version. So it will actually do all that for you, all that clipping. So if you're someone who makes a lot of mistakes and I don't in all of my formats, but from like shooting commercials, that's when I tend to use it the most. Yeah. Then of course, it's a real easy tool that in the past I would have to manually go through. There's these tools that will let you edit by reading the text. There's software now, there's multiple tools that will automatically shift your eyes so that they're looking at the camera, even if originally you were looking down. That's a huge time suffer. There's um, a tool I use called Gigapixel AI, which takes an image and upscales it. So if an image is small, I can create a high resolution version, which really matters. And now they do it from video, old video to 4K. That makes a difference because like when you watch an old TV show and it's fuzzy, 
at the time when I watched it, right in the eighties, it looked great on that, that tiny TV. Now I'm like, what is happening? It's so fuzzy because we're used to this high resolution. You can catch up. So there's constant release of new tools. There's an amazing tool called Corsau, which mm -hmm. I think it's a French or Belgian spelling, but you can upload a video up to two hours, YouTube video, or if you're your Ted talk, and it will turn it into a course in two minutes. It creates lessons and it creates quizzes. And it works so well. When I first tested, I was like, this isn't going to work. This sounds crazy. And it just worked so well. It blew my mind. I was messaging right away. There are now chat bots that I can just link to my YouTube channel. It will watch all of my YouTube videos. And when someone answers a question, it will only use that as its database. So it will only answer a question if I've already answered it in the past. So like instead of just giving a general answer, it has like this really controlled database. And these tools are all like 5 or $10 a month. They're no longer really expensive. So they're so many tools out there that can really help you. A mm. lot of our experiences, like the thing about chatbots is everyone has had a bad experience because every company uses yeah. them wrong. Every customer uses a chatbot for customer service, which is a terrible decision. It guarantees a negative experience for the customer when you use a chatbot for customer experience. And here's why. Chatbot will never have the authority to issue a refund. You'd have to be crazy, right? Because what if it goes crazy and refunds everyone? Mm. For that reason, it doesn't actually have the power to solve the problem. Right. That means the person dealing with it always has to get past the chatbot to the person who could actually fix the problem, right? So the chatbot right. can't really do anything. It's that same experience we used to, remember you used to call 20, 30 years ago, you would call the support number and a person would just answer. Yeah. Then someone came with those phone trees, you had to fill in buttons. They all go to the same people, but you have to fill in all those buttons because they're hoping you'll hang up. Yeah, they yeah, want yeah. you to have a bad experience because it saves the money. I worked at a very large company that moved the tech support to India because mm -hmm. they knew that 10% of people, when they hear the Indian accent, will hang up and they go, yeah, then right. we don't have to solve their problem, we save the money. And I was like, is that the right mindset? <laughs> like, the right mindset to look after your clients, right? <laughs> yeah, but they're like, we're so big, we can do that to people. And that's unfortunate, right? And that's the bad experience. But if you move a chatbot to the front, the pre-sales experience where it goes, oh yeah, I can answer your questions. Mm. Because nobody's going to say a chatbot's not allowed to make a sale. Of course it is, right? So if you move it to where it actually has the power, it's much, much better customer experience. And then you can spend the money on an actual customer support person because you're making more sales. So a lot of these AI tools are not being used at the best way yet, but there are so many things out there that are really helpful and they're going to start rising to the top. I know there's tons of AI tools coming out that aren't great and they're kind of flooding the market with a lot of messages, but the good ones will endure while the ones that aren't so great will slowly fade away over the next year. What's the biggest mistake or mistakes that people make, especially when it comes to small teams or entrepreneurs make when they're using AI technology, or let's maybe speak, stick to um, chat GPT. Sure, it's the Star Trek mistake. They go, duh, 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 duh. they push the button, duh, 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 duh. computer, do this. Okay. When you give a command to chat GPT, it has to obey, mm. even if your command is dumb or has a mistake in it. It's not allowed, the way it's programmed, it's not allowed to tell you, oh, that's, I don't have the right information. Or I can't do it correctly. And it has to give you an answer. Right. Even if the answer is wrong. So this is called garbage in, garbage out. This is the first thing I learned when I did computer class so mm. long ago, right? They're like, oh, if you give a computer bad numbers, it's going to give you a bad answer, right? Right. So that's what happens. If we're still using the command structure, we're ignoring, the name of it is chat. You can actually be conversational. If you switch to a conversational mode, 
you bypass this mistake. So instead, I call this the master prompt. This is the game changer for any AI you're dealing with. Say, AI, I want this. Oh. I want to figure out who my customer avatar is. Mm. What information do you need from me? I want to write an email telling my business partner we, don't, we shouldn't work together anymore. What information do you need from me? So it doesn't matter what the task is. What this does is it flips. Now, instead of you having to think of the right command, it will tell you what information it needs. It's giving it permission to ask you for the data that it needs. And it's turning from one prompt, one answer to a conversation. This Hold on, really hold on, hold on. You just said something. My Hold on. I want to make sure people get this because I didn't even notice. And I use ChatGPT. So I, I want to make sure this sinks in because you've just given people a golden nugget right now, which is instead of trying to think about what prompt to put in, treat it as a friend. Ask the question, you're, you're saying at the end of the prompt, what information do you need? That That's just golden right there. And you're saying it will spit out and, and, and maybe garner more information and then continue. Yeah. It will ask you and tell you exactly what it needs. So if you say, who's my customer avatar? It will go, well, here's seven questions. And you can even say, hey, just ask me one question at a time because I don't want to be overwhelmed. Because that's what your friend would do. If you said to your friend, oh, I need your help writing an email, the first thing you're going to say is to who, right? They're going to ask those questions. Right, right, So you're right, just giving right. permission to ask. And this removes the need for you to be a prompt engineer. Yes. I'm well known as a prompt engineer. I'm great at writing prompts. Sure. But I always start, even when I'm writing a prompt, I start with a question to, to write the prompt. I have ChatGPT write the prompt. That's how I craft them. Every okay. time I start with a question, I get a better result. It allows you to access this other mode of an AI where it's interrogative or it's asking you questions because it will tell you what it needs. And you don't have to guess anymore. You remove them because we all forget, right? Maybe I remember six of the things you need. Maybe I'll forget psychographics or I forget demo like a certain demographic question. I forget to mention, do they are they college graduated or not, right? I forget one of those things. It goes into an avatar worksheet. ChatGPT never forgets. The AI always asks those questions. That means mm -hmm. that you will give it better information. And also you won't waste time giving it irrelevant information that it doesn't fit it. Perfect. So you're solving two problems and it allows you to get a really good result and it removes the need for you to be a prompt engineer, to ask the right questions, to give it the right data, to guess what it needs. All of that expertise that you need as a programmer, an AI user disappears because the AI takes over and says, no, I'll be the expert and tell you what I need. Right. And it just everything gets easier. Right. So one of the big mistakes is then thinking that you have to study prompt engineering or become a prompt engineer in order to utilize that fully. I love the answer. Thank you for that. That's such a big golden nugget. You know, let me ask you, so Jonathan, why don't, if this tool's out there, why are a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs resistant to using it? I'll give you an example. Uh, just earlier today, I was speaking to one of our clients. She says, I've got to write this white paper. I said, what is it about? Um, this, this, and that. When do you want to write it by? Well, I want to get it ready by the time we speak again uh, in a few weeks' time. Said, what's stopping you? Said, oh, I've just got to sit down and get. I said, have you used ChatGPT? Yes, I have. How did you get on? Well, we've got we've got some information, but I've still got to work with it. So I pulled up ChatGPT and I put in certain word, and it there it was right in front of her very very eyes. You know, the the report was written in less than two or three minutes. The the white paper. 
So my question to you is why are, well, a lot of business owners that I'll come across resistant to using this technology? Almost everyone has had a bad experience with a piece of content generated by ChatGPT already. Every one of us has read a social media post or seen a book review and get and said to ourselves, AI wrote that and it didn't look very good. We've all seen that, right? So we have all had a negative experience. Right. That's the first problem. The second problem is ChatGPT is the worst onboarding of any product ever invented. There's right. no welcome video. There's no instructions. There's no example prompts. They now, after six months now, when you log in, there are four example prompts you can click on. They're all terrible. Mm. They're all things that no one would ever want to use. They're really randomly generated and they're completely unuseful. So they exist now for example prompts, not really helpful. So the average person or actually almost everyone logs in and goes, well, where's the, they don't even know that it's called prompting until someone else teaches them, right? It's forced the secondary market in the same way in the 1990s, there was this huge market. You go to GameStop and there'd just be stacks of guides for each video game because games right. didn't come with instructions right. anymore. Yeah. ChatGPT comes to no instructions. So that's why YouTube, that's why I exist and books on Amazon, they all exist because there's no instruction manual. So we're trying to fill in that gap that they've forced. Now I know why they do it. They do it because they're testing the user. They're using user inputs to generate data. Right. I spoke to somebody who works at OpenAI about this. And it's like, well, yeah, but wouldn't you rather give customer a better experience? Not everyone has to be a research subject, but that's why they do it. They go, we don't want to onboard you because you could do anything. We want you to guess, right? It's like that thing where they say, what's that a picture of? There's no wrong answers, but you're afraid of giving the wrong answer. So for that reason, people are resistant because they don't, they've had, they've seen something bad. There's no onboarding. And so they have to figure it out. That's tough. And when you try, you'd sometimes get a bad result. I sometimes, I was working on a LinkedIn article right before this call and it kept giving me bad results. Like I didn't like the tone. It was too snarky. And I was like, what are you, it, the tone was off or, and it was just, I wasn't quite getting the result I wanted. This happens. If you don't know that it's part of the game, you don't know how to adapt to it. Then you get frustrated. And you just give up right away. Right. So all of these reasons are reasons to pull back. Additionally, the fear, here's the big fear. I will use ChatGPT and my humanity will be stolen from my writing. It will no longer sound like me. Mm. Legitimate concern because people do that. So if you don't know how to use the tool, you have this fear. And that's one of the things I show people. Like you can still make it sound like you. You can use your voice. You can use your tone. And you can kind of get that perfect sound that still doesn't lose your humanity. It's still you, right? There's still a driver in the car. The car, yeah, it's a machine. It's faster. But you still need a person behind the wheel to choose where it goes. That's really how it works. So those are reasons people are resistant. Just, it's very hard to get people to use new tools, but to also have kind of ha had them had a bad experience with the tool, not knowing that's not the normal, that's a bad user, bad experience. That's why it's happening. So those are the reasons why people are resistant. And of course, we've also been through a period of a bunch of really bad uh, technological cul-de-sacs. Over the last right. 10 years, we had um, all these things with cryptocurrencies, that appeared, then crashed. And then it was like these meme coins that crashed. And then it was 3D televisions. Do you know anyone who has a 3D television? If you do, they're probably not happy with it because there's no more 3D movies coming out, right? Right. That stopped. So that was a cul-de-sac. Then it was the um, metaverse. These companies invested hundreds of billions of dollars and people are like, yeah, I don't want that. 
right? Nobody wants to wear goggles all the time. Right. So right. these cul-de-sacs, and then, then it was two years of NFTs and Web3. Yeah. Nobody knows what Web3 even means, but a lot of people are saying NFT, Web3, AI. They say it in a row and it's like, don't do uh, that. AI is not connected to those technologies at all. There's right. nothing connecting NFTs and AI other than people going, oh, I'm just going to name technologies because they're just giving it a bad reputation. So but those are reasons why. Like I see people that think, and it's not that crazy. They go, oh, AI is a fad. There are people that, that thought the internet was a fad, right? They were like, oh, this isn't going to last. Yeah. People will yeah. want to meet in person. Human to human interaction has value. No one's going to date online. That's crazy. So there are people who are the slowest to adopt to technology, but it's not, it's not that crazy of a thing to say, oh, 3D TV, metaverse, NFTs, AI. They go, yeah, three, three, <laughs> the last three have been bad. I'm not going to jump on the fourth one. So that's kind of all of those are reasons why people would be resistant and hesitant to jump in. Fantastic. You know, when I first came across you, Jonathan, it reminded me, in terms of what you had done, it reminded me somehow popped into my head a four-hour work week. And one of the questions I had for you is this. I, I know you know the answer to this, so I'm going to give you a scenario. If we have any listeners or watchers uh, in the audience thinking, I want to have my life in my own hands. I I want to wake up where I want to wake up. I want the sun on my face or I want to be in the snow, whatever it is, but I want to live life on my terms. It doesn't have to be in the, necessarily in the country I'm living in, but this is the dream I have. And I want to be able to work anywhere, make good money. Uh, and the reason I'm asking you that, because you, you've taken your whole family and you've li you're living in a different country and you're living a good life and you're enjoying your life. What are some tips, three, four points that you can say, actually, look, if you want to do that and you want to live the dream you want to live, here are some steps for you. And, and if chat GPT or AI can help you to do that, you can throw that in there, Jonathan. Go ahead. Step one is to write down your dream. What's your dream life? If you could live anywhere, where would you live? Mm. And then go do research. So people say to me sometimes, they go, oh, you live in a third world country. How are you been online? Where I live in my house, I have two high-speed internet connections. I have an 800 megabyte connection right next to the computer, and I have a backup 250 over there that's also hardwired into the computer. They're not even Wi-Fi. They're both hardwired into the computer. If one goes down, the other one goes. I also have access to another high-speed internet if I want it, and a satellite option here that's affordable, that's only $40 or $50 a month, that's 100 megabytes. So I have access to four high-speed internet options in my house, and... I live in an island, small island, middle of nowhere. There are two 5G networks. So I have a cell phone 5G network and my wife's on the other network. So we have two backups. We have right. six options for high-speed internet. So people don't make research. I find that most people watch an episode of Lifestyle of the Rich and Famous in the 70s or <laughs> 80s and said, oh, living somewhere is really expensive. And I always say, well, what's the cost of living there? Mm. And they never look. And never look at what are the tax benefits of living in another country? How do your tax obligations change? What are the things that are benefits? And the, there's trade-offs, there's ups and downs, there's medical care is lower, maybe the schools aren't as good, but can you find a good school? You can do the research. So the first thing is figure out where you want to go, do a bunch of research and see what it costs and what the technology is like. There are tons of websites like Digital Nomad websites that list internet options and cost of living in every city in the world. And you can see the trade-off. There are so many countries that have amazing visas, like Estonia has an, uh, a visa for um, digital expats. 
very easy to get. You can do it online, not expensive. There's amazing ones in the Virgin Islands. You can go to Virgin Islands, I think for a year, just saying, oh, I work online. Like it's not that hard. A lot of countries want to bring in people like me because I don't work for someone else. I make my money online in dollars and I spend it in the local currency. That's great Mm. for this country. It's great for their exchange rate. So more countries are starting to push after that. I know that Thailand and Bali are working on some things in the same space that some of these countries have five and 10 year visas. In Thailand, you can actually get a 20 year VIP visa and you just pay 10 or $15,000, which is like, okay, it's a thousand dollars a year. It's not that crazy. Right. And you have unlimited everything to travel. No questions asked. You can buy property, live anywhere. It's like, there's some ways to bypass that aren't that expensive. Right. Right. It's not that crazy for a 20 year visa. So all of these options exist. If you just research it, just by going from America to Mexico, just crossing the border, your costs for exact same lifestyle cut by like 60 or 70%. So it's easier to save money than it is to make money. That's the first step is to Mm -hmm. figure out your goal. Where do you want to be? Maybe you just want to pay off your house and stay where you are. That's fine. You don't have to move, but you have to decide, okay, how much money do I need to have in the bank and have coming in every month to support my dream lifestyle so I don't need to work for someone else? And you look at things like health insurance, car insurance, whatever, right? Like those are the things when you say, oh, I don't want to work for anyone else. They go, oh, what about health insurance? Well, there's a lot of options. You can join a lot of organizations or clubs or societies, right? Anything where they've got a bunch of members, they get a group health insurance. Like I was a member of Mensa, which is just people that did well on an IQ test. Only reason I joined was because it gives access to, they have like a group health insurance plan. They have a group car insurance plan. They have all these group things you can get access to. I didn't go to the meetings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't want to go and do math problems in a hotel with people. Like that's <laughs> not really my scene. It's fine. This wasn't for me, but I said, oh, this is a group I can join that gives me access to that. There's like, you're, you can join the AARP. I don't even know if you have to be a certain age to join the American Association of Retired People, but they have health insurance stuff. So okay. you can join an organization that fills in the gap that your company does, and it can be larger than your company. So that's that step. The next step is to do a multi-stage plan. The first stage, and this is what people skip, is the runway phase, which is I need to replace my current income. Yeah. If you're working for someone else, whatever they're paying you is less than you're generating in revenue. This is a mathematical law. Companies that pay every employee exactly the amount of money they generate would be at break-even. Mm. One tiny mistake and they go out of business because they would lose the money. So no company operates at break-even or a loss. They're not allowed to. They have to operate at a profit. They have to generate money for the owner or the owners if it's on the stock exchange. So that means that if you leave that company and you work directly for yourself, you immediately get a raise. Mm. And you can see this in any job because contractors always get paid more than someone doing the exact same thing, consultants, whatever you want to call it. So look at, can I do the same work, make the same money for less hours a day? And that's a first starting place. So the first thing is active revenue generation. Runways where you go, okay, I'm going to work. So for me now, I do ghostwriting. I still do take ghostwriting jobs because I get paid before I write the book, not after. If I write my own book, I don't make money until I sell it. But if I write for a client, they send me a huge wire transfer before I write the first word. That's really good. Fast money injection. I always keep that there because it's a stability, it's a stabilizer in case there's a market shock, right? In case all oh, people aren't buying courses right now. Okay, I got one client that kind of covers us with revenue that covers a couple of months. So it can be really good. So I still keep that as part of my business structure, as part of risk management. So it doesn't have to necessarily be continuing to do what you're already doing at work, but it can be. So you look at your life and go, what's the asset I can leverage? Maybe you have a garage you can rent out to bands to practice. 
Maybe have a car you put on Turo. You want to make sure that you're, if it's an asset, you're not leveraging yourself. Like that's the thing about like driving. It's not scalable because you're stuck in the car all day. You only make money when you're working. It's very, it can never scale. Turo can scale because you can rent another or buy another car, another car, and you can put multiple in it. Same thing with renting out space. Like that's why Airbnb can work, at least for now. Yeah. You can rent out space. You don't have to be there. So yeah. look at that. What asset relationship skill do I have that people pay the most money for or that I can get paid for the quickest? Most people, it's what, what you're already good at, but not always. Once you do that, you start doing that. And here's the cool thing. When you work for yourself, you can just raise your prices. Right. So I can double. Let's say I start out, I'm charging $10 an hour. The next client goes, how much are you charging? You go, $20 an hour. They go, okay, try doing that with a boss. Go to your boss and they go, okay, I'm looking for raise. They go, how much? Double. No boss will ever do that, but no. you can get that if you work for yourself and then you can double it again. That's true. Now you can go and go 4X. No boss will 4X you. Like, no are way. you crazy? Yeah. I want to go from 10 to $40 an hour without stair-stepping. I want to go tomorrow, right? But you can do that with client work and with working for yourself. So what you want to do is get to the point where you're getting eight hours of income for two hours of work. This mm-hmm. now gives you every day two hours of active work, two hours as an employee, but you're choosing your clients and six hours of building your passive business, building your online business. And you can get paid to learn. Right now, so many companies want to implement AI, but they don't know how. Yeah. They're bringing in AI consultants and they're bringing in fractional AIOs and all these people. And you can be in that wave because there's more need than there is supply. And this is how I started. I started off with SEO. Someone hired me to do SEO for them. I said, great. They gave me a check. I took that money and bought an SEO course. I said, okay, now I'll go learn right. how to do it. But people yeah. will pay you to learn. Wouldn't you rather gamble with the house's money? So if you want to master Instagram, become someone's Instagram manager. They will pay you. You'll learn on their account. And they spend half the day working on their account, half the day working on your account. Right. There They're you go. Learning wow. pay to learn. Some golden, golden, great, great, great nuggets here. Amazing. I mean, you're a living example of how to live on your terms. Now, Jonathan. For those who want to uh, get to know you, get to know, learn from you, what's the best way for them to connect or to learn more about this stuff you're talking about? Go to servenomaster.com. If you Google serve no master, every search result is me for the first hundred results. So you're only going to find me or my podcast or my book, serve no master or my website, serve no master. And you can find links to all my books. You can find a bunch of free stuff on my website about AI and how to get started. You don't need to buy anything. Get to know me. That's fine. All of it's right there at servenomaster.com. You heard it here with Jonathan. I want to say thank you, Jonathan, for giving so many, so much information, so much um, golden nuggets, as I say. And thank you all for watching, listening from wherever you are. Remember to like, share, and also make some comments. Let us know what you got out of this. What what was what was a, a thing that popped for you? It's like, oh, wow, I'm glad I watched this. I listened to this. So um, please do that subscribe or follow depending on which channel you're on jonathan thank you again i really really appreciate your time uh and uh enjoy your family and keep enjoying the island over there yeah thank you for having me you are most welcome until we speak again thank you